Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dcnews35 that's dcnews35 dcnews35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com well hey there all you dc comics news fans dc comics fans whatever your fandom might be You've arrived at the DC Comics News Spitter Wrap. Here, I, and you with me, so we, go through the top five books that I've picked each and every week from DC Comics. Disagree with me? That's fine. I'd love to hear all about it. In fact, if you think you have a list that's better than mine for the top five pick of this week, or any week, well, you know what? <laughs> I can't wait to hear about it talk about it with you, and then share it with others. So stay tuned to the very end for all the ways I let you know how to do that. However, this is still a week when I've got the pick, and I'm having fun with it because it's quite an impressive list. Nothing better than having to choose, than needing to, than being required to pick between great works, multiple great works. And somehow call that into a, a top five. I mean, when we had Future State a little while back, it, it got a little silly, to say the least. Maybe even a bit ridiculous? Yeah, I'd say it got ridiculous. Now, fun thing is, uh, with these lists, whenever you do look back over the list, or even just find yourself talking about the titles, the idea of top five or not kind of fades away. I think it's important because suddenly it becomes just about the book that's being discussed in the moment. And that's a pretty cool opportunity. It's a gift, actually. It's like one of those things where you go looking for one thing and you find something else that's even better, just as good, or eh, you've got your own scale. The thing is, <laughs> you're looking for one thing, you find another, and what you find is its own special joy. Special Joy is something that could be relevant when talking about Harley Quinn, and I'm talking about Harley Quinn number one, a new series that's been launched featuring Stephanie Phillips in the writer's position. We've got Riley Rosmo taking up the artist station. Rosmo still winning me over every time I see that art. Reminds me so much of when I first fell in love back with the Martian Manhunter series and that Amazing collaboration with uh, Steve Orlando. Now, bringing all of the vibrancy to life with the colors is Ivan Placencia, Darren Bennett on the letters, Riley Rosmo providing that original cover with Derek Chu, and Yoshitako Amano providing the variant covers. If I say any name incorrectly, not only in this 
episode or this issue or in the future, uh, sometimes the brain swaps letters around. It's nothing serious, but I don't always catch it. So if you do, please feel free to let me know. I love to get it better, get it right, and do it all for you. Now, do you know what it's like to say I'm sorry? More importantly, do you know how difficult it is to find a gluten-free cake, let alone gluten-free flour in Gotham? That's the question that opens us up with this great series. Starting off in issue number one with a bit of a knockdown brawl with Killer Croc and the attempt on Harley's part to apologize. Maybe it's for trying to sell him to an exotic animal uh, facility, farm, sanctuary. Does it really matter? Or if it's just to apologize for all the things that Harley has done as Harley. Well, the apology doesn't stop there. She runs into people on the street who have no problem calling her a circus freak, referring to her as another one of those dangerous clowns like those that Joker led in a war to terrorize Gotham. And then there's Batman showing up in her apartment while Harley maps out a vision board explaining how there are things in her life she wants to make amends for. Some in an envelope with permanent ink written across them are not quite ready to be addressed, but Batman does take note of the fact that Harley is suggesting an idea forward, one that sounds very different from what she's been trying to do so far. Now, things get interrupted with a brawl right over near a fun park, amusement park. Seems a bit familiar. And also, there's an opportunity for Harley to make a new friend named Kevin with a very unfortunate tattoo slash inking across a very jowled lower jaw chin. And because of that, she actually makes a plea for Batman to consider that just like she, Kevin has an opportunity to be more than just the twisted, manipulated thing that often is left over when Joker gets tired of playing with people. Now, one thing Harley would love is one of those awesome... Well, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the word is. Stipend? Allowance, as she suggests. If nothing else, she would love some sort of acknowledgement that she's part of the Bat-Fam Bat-Team. And getting back to her apartment, not only does she find it a, a wonderful surprise, one that she alludes to earlier, and now we get the chance to actually see, but then we also get this great opportunity to see who could be causing trouble in the future. Um, <laughs> it's a really wonderful collaboration. I love Stephanie Phillips' writing. I'm really impressed with the way Riley Rosmo's uh, lines interpret not only Harley, but I think Batman is definitely very unique in Riley Rosmo's hands. Reminds me of like something that was always sort of jarring about the Mike Mignola sort of take. And now seeing Riley Rosmo draw Batman, I want to see a, a Batman series just with Riley Rosmo. Just, just cause, just cause. Take a look for yourself. Tell me what you think about that. When it comes to the uh, colors, as I mentioned, I mean, from the vibrant purple cake to Harley's, well, always evolving, slightly different costume, the flashbacks to her past, and, and the way that all of these wonderful colors that are both muted, dark, and 
ugh, dreary like all Gotham, as well as the bright and equally horrifying Funland feeling when the brawl breaks out on the Joker's old territory. Um, then there's the twisted purple in the House of Mirrors, and overall, just a really great take. Also, I mean, just from the very first page, the welcome home of this, uh, the title for this story, and the way that the lettering from Darren Bennett shapes not only the, the tone of Harley and these great little accents for her voiceover, but also the, <laughs> the clear emotions of Croc, the menacing tone of Batman, even without any extra accentuation on the letters, and then the voice, the really clear, distinctive Harley Quinn voice that comes out. I think this is a great issue, a great start. Something about new beginnings always feels like an opportunity to see just how much potential is a story opening up with and just how far it's willing to go. How much of this will be about Harley making amends, fixing the world, fixing things, owning up to her past, and trying to figure out who she is moving forward. I love the growth, I love the trajectory, I love the possibility. And that is why it's my pleasure to bring you Harley Quinn, number one, to kick off this week's episode. I'm talking about episode number 98, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. The great thing about the first book is it means we're moving right into our second. So after a great five out of five book to go ahead and kick things off, my... So just how good is my next book, Teen Titans Academy number one? It's pretty gorgeous. I mean, just from the, the uh, original cover there, one featuring quite some amazing talents, including those of Rafa Sandoval, Jordi Tarragona, and Alejandro Sanchez, all bringing to life this really fun reminder of an interesting past. And then, man, Tim Sheridan must be overjoyed to have the brilliant pencils of Sandoval and the inks of Jordi Tarragona, as well as the colors of Alejandro Sanchez, because there's something about this viewpoint, that first-person take, looking at Titan's Tower as these young, new academy students arrive, uh, <laughs> and the, the rising sun, the, the feel of hope and possibility, and then the very awkward experience of dealing with teenagers, especially for the Titans in this uh, <laughs> authoritative and mentoring slash teaching role. Now, a hint to something that's going to be a part of this opening story has to do with Red X. And it's not a happy legacy. It's not one that is pleasant or positive, but it is a reminder of all the ways as uh, Dick Grayson suggests that a mask is something that is a tool that can be used for good reasons. It's often born of a necessity, but that can also become very dangerous, if not altering to a person's persona, their identity, or the ability to recognize all of themselves. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. Now, those beautiful pencils and colors I mentioned are continued. There's a great splash page where we get to see the other Titans, I guess, as you might want to refer to them. For they are the ones that the incoming students refer to as the upperclassmen, the 
active roster team titans dealing with the <laughs> of all things clock king down above mecca in saudi arabia and we then get uh, an opportunity to come back to what's going on at the academy we get to see some great additions and also some potential plot lines donna troy meeting one of the newer characters the fact that well <laughs> there are two characters billy Wu and a new young academy student who goes by the name of tubi and that's for totally tubular and he says he'll explain later why that's actually important but then we get a nice break with a surprise party for dick grayson and more of that mystery red x why does dick get a copy or what he thinks is a copy and is actually the original red x mask as a birthday present from an anonymous gift giver as well as a feeling that the powers that are on display are just a hint of all the things that these new young academy attendees are bringing to the party it certainly feels like they have a lot more story to tell and not only that there will be this outside threat of red x one that is hinted at again in the final pages of this issue and i i'm curious to hear what your takes are on that because where it gets interesting to me is what happens during that moment when someone decides they're going to put on the red x mask and use it it sounds like or it appears it looks like it holds some ominous concerns for the teen titans academy and then there's also the concern of who's wearing it and what sort of danger they might be in just because they've made the choice to put on a mask that could change them into something, well, who knows. Along the way, I think you're going to enjoy the appearance of some great new characters, some great looks, the possibilities of powers, and also what it's like to see the uh, Titans now as the teachers, the faculty. And I'm sure they're going to make mistakes. I'm sure they won't always get it right, but it was sort of fun to watch Dick handle himself, put on a good show, demonstrate his prowess, and then get celebrated for the fact that, you know, he's getting older and the younger generation's noticing. But they're also noticing they might have some things they can really look forward to learning. And that, well, that's where we could really enjoy some great stories. Looking forward to seeing what more is in store for Teen Titans Academy number two and the rest of this series. And speaking of the number two, that's my second book. So that means it's time to go ahead and take a quick break. Bring you all the great ads that let you know about all the great stuff that we have going on here at DC Comics News. When it's all over, I'll be here. I promise when you tune back in, we'll get to my third, fourth, and fifth choices. I'll be here when you come back. Thanks for enjoying all these great ads. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, 
everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNEWS35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogur. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. 
Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And as promised, the ads are over. That cool little jazz sort of riff has faded out. And now, as I pop that knuckle and Settle in for my third, fourth, and fifth choices here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 98. I get the chance to lead off with Action Comics, number 1029. The Golden Age Part 2 is a really poignant story that Philip Kennedy Johnson, who stole my heart with The Last God and has continued to do so with just about everything he writes on, for, and with, the Phil Hedster pencils that remind me so much of a Jack Kirby, Frank Miller amalgamation that also is so singular as to remind me of them and yet also be distinctively different than their art styles. Great inks by Eric Gapstua, colors by Hi-Fi, letters by Dave Sharp, and Phil Hester, Eric Gapstua, and Hi-Fi providing the original cover with Julian Totino Tedesco with the variant cover. The Golden Age is not only a time in comics when everything seemed bright new and full of possibility, it's also something that parents create for their children, one in which 
there is no one stronger than that father or mother figure who can pick up a child, lift them into the sky with great ease, fix all the problems, supply food, comfort, warmth, protection, and a sense of stability, one that is so encouraging that children then are willing, able, and encouraged to take on risks they might otherwise not consider, simply because they would not have that same safety. But if they do, that golden age is something that a parent not only provides, but eventually must yield to, because as their children grow up, so the parent too must get older. Philip Kennedy Johnson does a gorgeous job of bringing this story into Action Comics number 1029. And because of that, what we get is not only this powerful concept where parents suddenly can be weak in the eyes of their children, uh, fallible, even mortal, which is a horrifying concept. And yet at the same moment, if you've done that thing that all parents, as it's described in this story, seek to do, it's to show those children that by the time that moment comes, they've been prepared enough that they can step out of the shadow, the protection of a father or a mother, and in doing so, stand on their own two feet, be the strength they always witnessed in that parent, and in doing so, maybe offer the same protection that parents once offered them, perhaps being the reason why that parent can continue to live on, knowing that now their offspring, their son or daughter has stepped up and taken on the helm, the cloak, the legacy, the, the yoke, whatever it might be. But because they are ready, that, that fear of the golden age passing of, of what's next, the silver years and eventually the, the slow, slow, tragic sort of ending. Well, maybe, just maybe, what started as only one possibility with Action Comics number 1029 is suggesting a completely different story. However, there are dangers, there are threats, and in the final pages we get a hint not only of the future state stories that were recently introduced and how this might be connecting to them, but also how it is that they will be taking place. Oh, yeah, and then just for bonus, just just for bonus, we get a Midnighter story. You know the kind I'm talking about, the kind that make you smile, the kind that make you remember just what it is <laughs> that we've had a chance to get glimpses of previously in those future state stories and what it's like now when we get the opportunity to see them carry on, especially here in Action Comics. So... What else is there to say? Well, I guess if it's necessary, we could probably talk about the fact that uh, when you get a creative team like this, you're probably going to enjoy yourself quite a bit. You're probably going to have a lot of fun. When it comes to this Midnighter story, we've got Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad doing the writing, Michael Avon Deming on the art, with Taki Soma on the colors, Dave Sharpie on the letters, and Diego Lopez. Providing the editing with James S. Rich as the editor. Providing this really nice sense of continuity as well as a very clear and distinctive departure from the end of the Superman story and the beginning of this Midnighter story. 
you'll want to enjoy all of it. I think you're going to have some fun. And it also sets up some really interesting conflicts for the upcoming issues. Great reason to include Action Comics number 1029 on your list of top five for all the books from March 23rd, 2021. However, we've still got two more books in store. Now, just what might they be? What could they be? I could linger. I could hesitate. I could even do a little bit of stalling, pausing, dramatic. But let's go ahead and dive right in to my first choice. I'm talking about Detective Comics number 1034. In this one, The Story of the Neighborhood, written by Mariko Tamaki, with really gorgeous art and cover by Dan Mora, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Aditya Bidikar, variant cover by Lee Bermejo, and inside, a story of what it's like now for Bruce Wayne to be a member of the city he protects. If you might recall the loss of his fortune, the move to a brownstone, well, it, it, it offered some really interesting ideas about where the storytelling could go. But we start off at the beginning of this story with a different part of the neighborhood, one where there's a lobster dinner and I'm sure a ridiculous amount of money per plate fundraiser for Mayor Nakano, who does not have any love in his heart for vigilantes and was elected on a platform to get rid of the mask influence. But his pitch to offer a new vision for Gotham is quickly interrupted by the party crashers, leftover remnants from the Joker War, with some cool gadgets, but clearly not the wherewithal to take on the arrival of Batman, who's able to get close by because he set up a series of mini satellite caves that allow him to have access to so many of his tools using the underground subterranean passageways that make Gotham so much fun to play in. Now, where Bruce is, this lovely brownstone, is a place where he's exposed more to the public and has to take on a more public persona that fallen from grace, once scion of Gotham and previously of the Wayne family fortune, who gets the chance to meet just a few of his sort of neighbors, uh, whether it's Lydia, whether it's the cute couples that haven't really experienced a lot of the violence in Gotham and are privileged enough that they can hang out in a backyard with just some strewn lights and a lot of ridiculously good food. But there's also some possible connections for Bruce, maybe a journalist, maybe others who will be great resources as he builds a community and maybe a network in this new neighborhood that he is becoming a part of. Of course, there is a twist when a mystery takes hold and these private, elite, protected people are suddenly made to feel vulnerable in their own homes when one of their number is removed, is not available, when others now have to consider what this could mean for their own safety, for their own who knows. And then a follow-up story, Demon Detective, Really interesting take on Damien, written by Joshua Williamson, with art by Gleb Melnikov, 
Letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. So, when you've got a mom who's an assassin and led a bunch of assassins, who you hang out with can be a bit interesting. So, when a stranger shows up, or a person you know shows up, and it's your mother who's still kind of a stranger, but she's talking about a tournament, and your name is Damien, you, uh, you go to it. But, it alludes to the possibility that we won't get a solution or conclusion to this story until you've had a chance to pick up Robin number one. Oh, and did I mention that there might be a secret weapon goes by the name Hawk, who could be a ringer set up to uh, take down Damien? Yeah, yeah, there's that. So I'm just going to go ahead and drop that in there and mention it and, you know, see what you choose to do about it. But if you do choose to... Add this one to your list, or if you already had, you're way ahead of me on this. I'd love to hear your thoughts. These were some great stories, and well, I mean, I can go ahead and just live in my own head, have conversations with myself about them, but then again, maybe I'll never get to hear your perspective, and then I'd only have one take, and where is the fun in that? Well, not nearly as much fun as can be found in my fifth and final choice, because while that, well, Detective Comics 1034 is a wonderful 5 out of 5 book, it's followed up by this fifth and final choice. I'm talking about Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number 6. Now, tricky thing about this is, this is one of those books where it's been building quite clearly. There's a mystery, there's suspense, there's development, and there's also the story of Harley becoming more than what she was, growing into a bigger person, a... A theme that has appeared in other comics, including the Harley Quinn number one I was talking about earlier, and one that offers us a reminder of how, sure, there can be alternate worlds and alternate pieces and alternate things like that, but just as equally, there can be recurring themes based on personalities, personas, and people. So, with all of that in mind, beautiful story, Sean Murphy and Katala Collins, with a script by Katana Collins, and art and variant cover by Matteo Scalera. Dave Stewart on the colors and world design on the letters, and Sean Murphy on the original cover, with Matt Hollingsworth providing the cover colors. So, with all of that that I just said, and I'm okay with it, I really and truly absolutely promise. Harley Quinn number six, it, it really touches on some great ideas about privilege, about what happens when dreams are ruined, destroyed by someone else, and the idea of revenge feels like the only thing worth investing in. However, that doesn't mean that it's the right move, and there are certain kinds of revenge that are much better than others, like being driven to succeed as a way to get revenge on someone, that's probably a, a positive one compared to trying to kill someone and maybe all those around them or all they care about. That would be considered less positive. In this story, we have, with Harley Quinn, uncovered some dangers. We've also seen a personal loss on the part of Harley. And now we see a newly outfitted Harley, one who has some great new tools thanks to a pointy-eared friend, and it looks like perhaps a sponsor, 
and the suggestions of something else that's waiting for her should she find her way past the danger she is facing. Now along the way we also cover some really powerful ideas like that of a mother's love, what happens when you call yourself starlet, and what to do if you're faced with someone who has a little hammer that can get really big really fast. Those are just a few of the points. Along the way, some great things to consider. One, there's some really gorgeous work when it comes to not only the uh, pencils, inks, as well as the colors. There are the vibrant and beautiful, bright and just shining, magnificent. Then there are the almost city on fire, glowing red tinges and beautiful shades and hues. There is that feeling that Starlet always sort of brings this layer of darkness, kind of like shade, or that there is, well, so much more that is offered through the collaboration of these pencils, these inks, these colors, and because of them, a story that comes to life in a way that I don't think it could have otherwise. And with that, I am happy to share with you my fifth and final book for this week's episode, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Now this has been episode number 98, covering all the books from March 23rd, 2021. Again, if you have any books you think were more deserving to be on this list, I'd love to hear all about them, or if you have maybe your own sort of twist that includes some of my picks and others that I didn't include. Love to hear that too. Love to hear all about it. You can always communicate with me and the gang here at DC Comics News. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. When you do that, whatever platform you're on from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram to Tumblr and more, you'll make sure we all know what you're talking about, including on YouTube where you can catch even more of our great content, send us a message, let us know what you're thinking about what we're doing, what you like, what you don't, and join the conversation. In fact, on all the platforms you're on, make sure that if you haven't yet, you're subscribed to all the stuff from DC Comics News. If it's on your podcast platform, well, just hit the subscribe button. If it's on YouTube, hit that too. Why? Well, on YouTube, we've got great new content like DC and After Dark, hosted by Kelly Gaines and Tony Hasty. We've got some great content on there talking about adult-themed stuff, you know, DC Comics news for the discerning viewer, listener, reader, and more. And then, of course, on the podcast networks, we've got everything from DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, an opportunity to catch up on episode-by-episode breakdowns of some of your favorite shows, whether it's Batman the Animated Series, the I Am The Night podcast hosted by Steve J. Ray that breaks it all down, or Mad Love, a Harley Quinn episode-by-episode laugh-fest with all of those great voices you know and love from the weekly podcast. And then, of course, so much more new in store and on the way from Flicky Fashion, Sir Tropesville, and more. Don't miss out. Subscribe now. Be a part of all the fun and action. And let us know what you're thinking along the way. You can either send one message or more to the big group at DC Comics News. Fire one off to me directly. I'm Seth Singleton. Just type my name in. See where you find me. Uh, Yeah. After that, well, let's talk more about comics. And then you can come on back for more DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Here on your home for all things DC Comics, DC Comics News. 
Podcast Network. And as we always like to say to wrap things up and send you off and on your way, always read more comics. Night now.